Brighton Beach Avenue in Brooklyn serves as the main artery that connects the neighborhood. It bustles with the roaring subway line overhead. Conversations spill out onto the street from shops, cars, and cell phones. Even on a Thursday afternoon, there are plenty of people in the markets that line the street. They're buying fresh produce like fruits and vegetables on display or pastries. I pass an older woman and a small child taking pictures in front of a lifelike bear statue. It stands in front of a restaurant with its menacing face. It looked like it had come straight out of a Russian postcard. That's kind of the thing about this neighborhood. It's sometimes called Little Odessa. It's home to the largest Russian-American community in New York City. Many stores have signs in English and Russian. I had my last official Russian class seven months ago, and I hadn't had the opportunity to practice since moving to New York, until now, at a little hole in the wall known for its dumplings. I'm Rebecca Robinson, and this is Onomatopoeia, a podcast about the people and places of New York City. In this episode, I venture to the Brighton Beach neighborhood for some tasty Russian treats. I get a lot of weird looks when I tell people I studied Russian in college, and even more weird looks when I tell them I started studying it in high school. It's usually followed up with the question, why? It's a little hard to explain, but I typically start with the sound of the poetry, then my interest in puzzles, and I kind of wrap it up with my passion for studying languages as the reason I followed the path to the Russian language. Two trips to Moscow and a bachelor's degree later, it's more than just a hobby. One of my barriers, perhaps with learning to speak any language, is practicing with other native speakers. There's the intimidation aspect, and of course, you know, the fear of getting things wrong. Verenichnaya is tucked away on a quiet street that leads down to the beach. It specializes in the Russian Vereniki dumplings, where it gets its name. There are just seven tables inside. The decor reminds me of the interior of a rustic Russian dacha, a kind of agrarian summer cottage. Carved wooden decorations with star motifs hang on the wood-paneled walls. There are paintings of pastoral scenes, a house in golden fields, and a still life of green and red apples. A short blonde woman stands behind the counter in between the ornately decorated samovar, a kind of urn used to boil water for tea, faux grape decor, and a stack of napkins. I see her peer over. She smiles at me. I don't order in Russian at first. My heart feels like it's playing pat cake with my chest. She takes the order for borscht and vareniki and disappears back into the kitchen. The borscht arrives first. It's crimson broth marbled with sour cream and dill. Then, there's the potato-filled vareniki. Vareniki s kartoshki. It's sprinkled with caramelized onions and, of course, more sour cream. Finally, it wouldn't be a Russian lunch without a cup of tea. I know I've traveled all the way here to speak Russian, so I muster... Between the borscht broth and the black tea, I feel warm and a bit more relaxed. I muster up the courage to test my Russian once again. How long has the restaurant been around, I ask? Uh, 20 years, the waitress replies in Russian with a smile. I let that sink in, 
and I admire how it's still standing despite the pandemic. The waitress brings me the check. I leave the restaurant feeling full, satisfied from the meal, and with a new sense of determination to keep the ball rolling. I stop at a Russian bakery near the subway stop to order a snack for the road. This episode of Onomatopoeia was created by me, Rebecca Robinson. Onomatopoeia is a production of the Columbia Graduate School of Journalism. Joanne Farian is our executive producer and professor. Original theme music by Lee Feldman. Other music, Falal, by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to the Columbia Digital Librarian, Michelle Wilson.